Hey everybody, Jordan here, the PH is silent, and in this episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show, we talk about Strongholds and Followers, the new book released by Matt Coville, as well as Hot Springs Island, and I'm kind of stuck with writer's block. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Saturday Morning D&D Show. My name is Jordan, with a silent PH in the middle, and I am joined always by my wonderful co-host, Sir Lucian, over there at Sir Lucian Gaming. Say hello, sir. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another awesome Saturday morning, and we got a bunch for you. It's going to be fun. Uh, yes, so some we're streaming on both the YouTube and Twitch. Um, and people in the YouTube comments are like, you fixed the whole internet? It's like, yes, I did. I fixed the I fixed entire it all. internet. Nobody so, will ever have a problem again. No problems for the foreseeable future <laughs> of the internet. Um, yeah. And you can quote me on that, uh, 12, 15, 2018. No, sure. don't ever do that. But no, uh, basically, I upgraded my internet, so we should not be having, because I... It was weird. I we, we did Sir Lucian and I did a whole bunch of tests afterwards, um, after the last stream, and we found out that Zoom just takes like a certain amount of bandwidth that it was pushing me over the edge of that. So upgrading my bandwidth, I'm good to go, um, and it should be awesome because we're having zero dropped frames. So I'm really excited. That's what we want. No dropped frames. I might get one or two here or there, but I think my settings have been fixed since the two months ago fiasco when I started messing around with them in OBS. That's the other thing. We're using OBS, so the, the settings can be widely ranging, and it's sometimes like this crazy, you can go online to try to find what works, but you just never know what works for your system because it has to be set for your system, not versus like it works for everybody. So once yeah. we got those things, it feels good now. Um, yeah, and we are a Dungeons & Dragons talk show, so yeah. if you're catching us either on podcast format or YouTube, um, or you're catching us live here on Twitch, that's awesome. And we kind of just talk about Dungeons & Dragons, things that are in the news, and then we kind of cover our own campaigns and what we're learning from those campaigns that we're running. Because uh, it's kind of encouraging to find out that other Dungeon Masters might be having the same problems that you're having. And uh, Lucian and I obviously are Dungeon Masters, and we run into lots of problems while Dungeon Mastering, so yes. it's quite exciting. <laughs> But news, probably the biggest yeah. news that came out this week is Strongholds and Followers. Um, yes. A PDF, um, a book, I guess I should say, but we got the PDF uh, that we've been waiting for like a year, maybe yeah. a little under a year. Like how long has yeah. it been? It's like, it's funny because it was like right near the start of this show because Matt Colville came on our show as one of our first guests. It was one of the first few episodes like oh, episode yeah. four or five so it was very early in the show he came on and he talked to us for an hour and a half about this strongholds and followers and we me and jordan have been huge fans of matt for a while and his channel and it was cool to have him on and then we both were back uh kickstarter backers and it's been a while they've been working on it, but it's been a book that is chocked full of stuff 242 pages of goodness yeah and so this is why it's taken that long because he didn't just give us like a little thin pamphlet to add into your 5e he's given us a full-on wizards of the coast style or quality book to say hey here's a bunch of stuff you can add if you want to your campaign and i'm loving it reading through it i mean i've just been reading through it for the last two days and it's been great well and i know that the uh the, the kickstarter had a whole bunch of tiers and he's like we're gonna do this and this and this if you and they unlocked everything but like i guess it's been over a year and i kind of just forgot about that uh because going into it um there were like I didn't realize there were going to be monsters and like the amount right. of monsters that he had, the amount of magic items and the amount of like, like just content in the book is, is really crazy. So it is divided up into a bunch of different little sections and you have like the sections on followers and the sections on strongholds and the section on monsters and magic items. And like, they're going to get into, I didn't finish reading the whole thing. I'll admit, but like, is yeah. there uh there's like war rules, right? For like large yeah, scale battles and stuff. Warfare at the yeah. end. Yeah. And an adventure and see. Oh, yeah. Uh, that was the other thing that I was surprised about. Yeah. yeah. 
So it, it is chock full. And like I noticed uh, Cyberwolf's talking about, did you see these rules yet? And I was like, the things I focused on so far have been what I can add as a dungeon master to my game. Um, but there's a lot of things even a player would like this book for because there's a lot of stuff your player might get if you decide to build a keep and you take this book to your dungeon master and you say, hey, I, I got this cool book. It's done by this really cool guy who loves Dungeons and Dragons. Would you think about maybe adding it into your game if I wanted to like build a keep because my guy's a warlock um, using a Cyberwolf's example here. And I think it'd be cool if somewhere in the game right. I could fit that in in my downtime or whatever. And here's the cool stuff. And then, yeah, when you build that keep, you get followers for your warlock and you get abilities that come from that. There's mechanical reasons and advantages and it makes just gives you this really cool, stronger character for sure. But it even says in the beginning of the book, hey, Dungeon Masters, be ready to break, you know, up the uh, difficulty for your players because these things are going to give them some really cool powers and things. And you're going to have to kind of uh, compensate for that because this is this is going to be different. This isn't about a full-on balanced system or anything um, for the most part. But he's like, you know, you can do it. You're a great dungeon yeah. master. <laughs> so I love the way yeah. he wrote that. And to be clear, they did play test this. So it's not like yeah. it's like wildly, absurdly broken. But you are just like giving your players magic items. If you give them these extra abilities because they have um, a wizard tower or a keep or something, uh, it will translate into a more powerful character that yeah. you as a dungeon master might be like, I have to throw three of these monsters rather than two at my players to make it a difficult challenge. So something that I think all dungeon masters deal with, and I know I am dealing with, especially after my last big battle against my evil King Necros, uh, evil wizard guy at the end of my tomb. Uh, and my players, like, they have so many magic items and I always forget about all the magic items they have. So when the cleric pulls out her wand of lightning, and ends up doing like a crap ton of damage to the guy. I'm like, oh yeah, I gave you that. That's I should uh, I should maybe make a lightning resistant wizard next time. So <laughs> yeah, he did not take well to that lightning. No. And it's just amazing the amount of stuff in there um, for a dungeon master who's looking for um, things that not just add like mechanically. You might be thinking, okay, I can add these things mechanically. But reading the way he writes the book, it's like he's talking to you. He wrote it in a very uh, informal way. Of it, You can hear Matt's voice behind the words. It's like talk with dialogue more than it is like a, a manual. And then not only does he say you can have a keep, but he talks about the reasons you might have a keep and the, the cool things that come with it, but the problems that come with it. The idea that you raised a keep and now everybody in the surrounding lands looks at you and goes, well, wait a minute, there's a power rising here. Yeah. How do I feel about that? Do I not like that? Do I want what they have? Is that infringing on my lands or something? So all of a sudden you get sucked into like these political intrigues or the, the, the problems of the land mm -hmm. between the kingdoms and the barons and the counts and the dukes and the evil whosoever's. And they take notice of you. Like before you're an adventuring group, that evil lich might not even know your name would never even care about you until you broke into his house and tried to steal his stuff. But you put a big old keep three miles away from his place. He's going to take notice of you and that impacts your game. So it was that idea as I was reading about it um, that helps make your world living and feel it alive is that the world starts to react around the players doing this thing and it drives it home more than anything else I've read or done in an adventure. Like I can play through all of Storm King's Thunder and I never felt like the world was trying to say, wait a minute, these characters are really doing a lot of stuff. Let's let's get on them. Let's stop them from doing right. stuff. It didn't happen in there. It just, you know, it, it just kind of goes on with its own thing. But this is about, hey, things are going to react and you're going to have to deal with the goods and the bads of doing something like this. And I think that makes it feel more, more real and live. Now, it does seem like it's more work for Dungeon Masters, so you got to be a little careful that it's going to be right for your campaign it makes sense for your campaign and you feel like you want to put in the work to understand those pieces and don't feel mm -hmm. like you have to do the whole thing and add all of it in because there's strongholds followers and the appendices and the warfare rules if you do all of it um but don't feel like you have to do that just pick pick pieces that you think fit your campaign and put those in i think you'll be really happy with it i think it's a book every dungeon master should get and even players i think would be happy with this book no, it's uh, just hearing you talk, it's one of the fundamental aspects of the game that we don't talk about a lot is that your actions have consequences. 
So, and that, and I mean, Dungeons and Dragons is all about that. Like if you want to kick open a door, all of a sudden, you, you know, your actions have consequences. You could hurt yourself. If you try to, uh, if you go into that lich's tower and, and try to steal all their stuff, like he's going to try and stop you. He might raise an army. He might do this. Like there, there are actions for your consequences or consequences for your actions. <laughs> and this is the same thing. Like if you decide to build a keep, if you decide to become like on, on somebody else's radar, that's going to have consequences because there are things, yeah. but like you said, it is a lot more work for the dungeon master because not only do you have to worry about your party and maybe the big bad guy that you have set up for your party. Now there's like, well, what's to the North, South, East and West of these people. And what are the, mm -hmm. are they going to be allies? Are they not going to be allies? Like what's the interesting choice there? And that's like the yeah. struggle for the, the dungeon master is is what is the interesting choice like is this maybe to the east is an ally but they have to make that person an ally by like trading with them so now they're going to lose gold in order to keep that person as an ally but they need them as an ally because somebody to the mm -hmm. south is going to attack them because they want their grain or yeah. whatever else so yeah i even liked in the part where he talks about to get started he says don't get world building paralysis where you feel like all of a sudden now i need to know everything i need to know everybody that's here i need to know every baron i need to know every count i need to know every attendant of those people you don't need to know that he said in the book what you can do once they build this tower keep castle whatever it might be establishment whatever it might be create one rival create one ally and create one neutral and then just let it kind of flow from that triangle of things going on will allow you to build on later on without getting overwhelmed with i need to now all of a sudden i need you know an, uh, a, a page of these are all the npcs and it's a thousand people long or something like that um so i really like that that idea and i kind of coupled cop coupled that with yeah coupled it with um i was watching a really good video from adam coble which is the other person that is a real big inspiration on me for being a dungeon master and he was explaining fronts from another game and how to create what that was because we've seen it in other games and I, and I never quite got it. And one of the questions he got asked, and he does an office hour show where he talks about anything that people ask him. And he starts talking about fronts and he said, I explained it really bad in his Dungeon World book. He really liked to redo it. But he talks about dropping a pin and then watching the ripples of the pin. And the idea is that you're not building the world and then you're dropping the players in it is that you you put the players where the pin is and you let the ripples decide what you're going to design so you only design what you need when you need it and i like mm. that analogy of the pin drop and when the when it drops and you've got the ripples out and you like so they start out in one village and they're doing some quests and adventures and they're low level and things are cool and and the ripples start to die off they know about all this little surrounding area you haven't really need to create anything new it's all pretty good eventually you can say okay now it's time to drop the next pin and watch the next ripples how that affects and i thought that was a really good way to describe building your world your homebrew worlds without going overboard because that's the one thing that a dungeon master probably can do pretty easily is feel like i can't run this campaign until i know all of the countries i have all the borders i have all the towns set in i know who's in those towns i have maps for all those towns you know and that can get a lot of campaigns not even started because i think there's a lot of newer dungeon masters that'll say well i've got to have all this stuff before i can play they're going to ask me about some you know some obscure fact and i'm going to need to know it and the reality is is no i think once you really get going and even you've said it where you've begun to, to become more of a instead of a getting everything set before the session's going you're you're having more fun now with your hot springs because it's like all right, I roll some dice and I have to make what right. happens work improv wise. And I just have to be thinking on my toes and make that into an adventure and why it fits in versus spending 10 hours before the session starts and, you know, mapping out every road they're going to possibly go on. It's so. more reactionary. Like, yeah. are you going left or right? You're going left. And then you, you decide what happens by going left. Uh, yeah. And it's, it's spookier. Like I'll, I admit it's not, it's not uh safe to know it's safer to know every aspect of the world and you feel more comfortable that way. But um, I think there's like a thrill to being a dungeon master that is taking that reactionary method and just being like, I'm not sure what my players are going to do. Uh, I've got a general outline. We'll see what happens. And they're probably going to zig when you want them to zag. And that's, what's just going to happen. So 
Yeah. Uh, it's also also about strongholds and followers. I really like that he says around level seven or eight is kind of a good time to get a keep. But basically, like you you start an adventure at level one and you're slowly just collecting money and and maybe you defeat some awesome thing and take over its keep and now you're going to renovate it and you've got all this money to like renovate it and things like that it really is a good transition to the next step of your game like your your players are now established enough they're level seven they're they're mighty heroes by this point like people know who they are it's you know because they've saved the land hopefully and now they're making a name for themselves and having that keep or having that wizard's tower or warlock's dungeon or whatever they are really opens up to them like it's the next logical step you know and i i really liked that it was this next logical step for them and to give them something that does like we said earlier kind of uh give them notice throughout the land like oh like who are these people yeah i heard that i heard about those adventurers that took out you know that crazy evil wizard that was living over there and now they're living in his tower that's weird uh what are they doing with it they're renovating it hmm might might check yeah. that out so it's it's a really good book. The art is amazing. Like I was going through it and I I'm just like it. they hired some great artists. They have some really unique designs especially for like the angels and stuff like towards the end in the monster section. Uh yeah. it's it's really well done. Like I I think he knocked it out of the park. Like I I don't know what I was expecting, but I uh, it went above my expectations. So Right. Yeah, and I'm finding the more I read it, the more his style of campaign is my style that I like to play in. It's the type that as a player, I would get really excited the type of game he plays and runs. And it's the type of game that I enjoy running that style of a game, that style of a uh, of a sandboxy, of a, a homebrewish style of letting things um, happen to the players because of their, their consequences <clears throat> versus being really into doing the modules um, you know, just running the the Wizards of the Coast modules and trying to make those work. I think I'm finding those are great if, you know, you, you, you get your group together for the first time. And some of them have been good. I mean, I'm playing through Tomb of Annihilation. I played through a, a good portion of Storm King's Thunder, which we hadn't quite finished yet. There's, you know, Waterdeep, Dragon Heist. I still want to do Dungeon of the Mad Mage. And I think I want to play through those, but I feel like now I'm really learning my style as a dungeon master is more to be the homebrew style dungeon master. And I think I'm going to start moving more towards that and maybe a little bit more away from running the 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 pre-made Wizards of the Coast dungeons. Because I just feel like there's a lot of creativity and there's a lot of excitement in trying to figure out, well, what happens next to these players because of their, what they just decided to do. Mm -hmm. No, one hundred percent. I read a review of Waterdeep Dragon Heist recently, and uh, in the review they were saying that it was completely on the rails and you shouldn't buy it, and that it was it's a decent adventure, but at the same time, like your players have to go from A to Z, and there's not a lot of wiggle room and. For an experienced dungeon master and for players that think outside the box, it's not necessarily that good of an adventure. Now, I haven't read Waterdeep Dragon Heist, and I actually really want to play it because it sounds really mm -hmm. fun. But I I get what you're saying. There, yeah. There's a certain time where if you've, if you've done that enough, you're like, you know what would be more fun like you start reading the adventure and you're like, you know, it'd be more fun is if they they like stayed in Waterdeep and became like the new masked lord of Waterdeep or something like that. Like you have ideas that doesn't fit into the puzzle pieces of the adventure that you have. And yeah. and so there's nothing wrong with taking an adventure like Tomb of Annihilation and then all of a sudden going off in a completely different direction. And I'm actually experiencing that a little bit with uh, Hot Springs Island. Because, uh, you know, I can play Hot Springs Island exactly how I've been playing it, but there are, uh, and this is a little spoiler to some of my players who are probably watching, but there are portals <laughs> within Hot Springs Island that take you to other planes of existence. And the game pretty much says, like, if they go through these portals, good luck, Dungeon Master, we don't have anything for you, so go ahead and, like, prep an adventure on this other plane of existence. And to me, that's like, well, I mean, that's awesome. But at the same time, if you're a new dungeon master, it's kind of like, well, I, I need things to help. So I don't yeah. know. It's there's a there's a lot of creativity with being with writing your own homebrew stuff. 
And, yeah. and like they said that earlier, that thrill of not knowing what your players are going to do. Whereas in an adventure, you pretty much know what your players are going to do because you have to push them towards that because that's what the adventure is. So, yeah. and I mean, this is a age old discussion of like, what's better, you know, railroad yeah. or sandbox kind of a thing. And usually homebrew settings are more sandboxy because they're allowed to be more sandboxy and, uh, and vice, you know, in contrast to uh, a yeah. written adventure. Yeah. And it's not to say, like you said, it's not one way is better than the other. It's, it's finding what is your style and what is the thing that you enjoy running for your players and that the players that you have gathered enjoy playing. Cause you got to match them up because I had that, we talked about it last week where I was playing a very tactical, very lots of combat style campaign, almost a harken back to the old school of just dungeon delve, dungeon delve, dungeon delve, nothing else in it not a lot of RP moments, not a lot of backstory getting worked in. It's just fight, 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 fight. And I love that for me. That's what I like to play. I like to be tactical and move miniatures around and, and figure out ways to use my abilities. But I realized the players I've gathered, they like to RP. They, they like these moments where they get interactions with NPCs, not just beat everybody over the head that they come across type thing in this dungeon. So it, it actually went off the rails because all of a sudden the style I was I enjoy running was not matching the style of the group of players I had formed for that campaign. So you got to be careful. You know, you got to always, you want to run what's fun for you because if you don't, you get burned out if you're doing something you don't like. Yeah. And you want the right players who enjoy the thing you're running. And you have to find those players that enjoy the style you like because you might, even though they're a great player and even though you're, you're great friends, they may want a different style of game than you're running. So yeah. just don't know. And we, I was talking with my gaming group about this because we're at kind of a, a stopping ish point. And I was like, what do you guys want to do next? And some of them are like, we'd like to keep going with this adventure. One of them really wants to play tomb of annihilation. And those modules really remind me of, like a shared experience that you have in like video games. Like you find somebody, you, you meet somebody brand new, but you've both played through all of the God of War series and you mm -hmm. instantly have a connection with that person, yeah. you know? And it's kind of the same thing. Like, Oh my gosh, you survived tomb of annihilation. What did you do at this part? Like we died here or we did this and we had to resurrect this. And like, how'd you solve the death curse and blah, blah, blah. Like that's, really exciting and really cool to have that shared experience with a complete stranger. And I like that modules do that. And so mm -hmm. one of my players kind of like, well, you know, we talk about all of these really cool modules, but you don't actually run them. It would be cool <laughs> if we could like have that experience and play through them. And I'm like, no, you're right. And I, I buy them all and then I don't run them. So yeah, I, I should use these books that I'm buying, but yeah, so that, and that's the, I guess that's the key, right? We're all buying those books, and yet how many of them are we running? Like, I've got them all at the moment for this past year, and I ran, like, one of them, and I played in the other ones. So Yeah. Um, and there's always good stuff in it. There's always things you can take and put into your worlds. There's always reasons to have those things. and uh, Which is again, primarily why I buy them, because, A, I like to read them. They're fun. And yeah. I, don't, I don't anticipate myself playing through a lot of them because I'm – I'm not a forever DM, but I am, I primarily am a dungeon master. Uh, mm -hmm. And B, it's a good stuff to steal for my homebrew game, um, which I've done a lot, especially like Tales of the Yawning Portal. Like that is just chocked full of like puzzles and, and traps and encounters that you can mm -hmm. just snag and, and move out of there. So and Felix is Very upset. Cool. He's locked in the room. So he's meowing like crazy. <laughs> I should probably let him out, but say la vie. <laughs> He'll survive. He'll, He'll survive, survive for 30 minutes. <laughs> that D &D Adventure corpse. Book Club. I like that. MJS October. <laughs> That's what we need. We need to just have everybody, a book club of everybody reading Out of the Abyss and then talking about how they would run it and and have like, yes. like, what did you think of this encounter? I feel like it could have been. Yeah, that would have been fun. I would do that. <laughs> <laughs> that would be cool. Maybe that's our 2019 uh, sub yeah. goal. We'll, we'll have like, uh, book club for uh, Dungeon of the Mad Mage or something silly. Oh, that'd be fun. That'd be super fun. And then stream it and talk about it. <laughs> so other than that, there wasn't a lot of other news that I saw come from the D&D &D group. I don't know if they're on break at the moment. Maybe they're getting into their holiday things where the shows kind of start to wind down and the videos kind of slow down a little bit. There was a spoilers and swag, but they did no spoilers that I saw, they did all just swag. So um, they said 
they're holding off the new announcement that I've seen for the whatever the next campaign is going to be is supposed to be the first spoilers and swag they do in January. So we should see it. They they had hinted that they were going to talk about it in December, but then they decided to push it. Greg Tito <laughs> told them they had to push it. At least that's what Nathan and Kate said is it was Greg's fault because they always say blame Tito, mm. which is the funny thing there. But other than that, I think they're everybody's getting ready for, you know, there are big holiday weeks that are coming up and they're doing those things. Even like for me, um, kind of moving into what I've done in, in um, Dungeons & Dragons, I've kind of been on a break for two weeks of recharging and rethinking about where I want to take the campaigns in the next year, how I want to change some rules that I'd set down when we started and, and make it a little bit more fun. So in these just last couple of weeks, I haven't played a lot. I've been more thinking about my campaigns and what to do about them. So this is kind of that reflective point of the year where you're deciding, okay, what's working, what's not working, uh, what's a new direction I might want to take it in? Are there new rules I want to introduce? How am I going to introduce those? Is there any new campaigns or games that I want to bring to the channel and those kinds of things and gather groups for those? What, what's my schedule going to be looking like, like for the next year, that type of thing. And so I think a lot of people are doing that. Right now I know uh, the web DM people, they're doing uh, charity games all, all week this week with um, Grant, who's doing a lot of charity stuff. And you can just see it on all of the other Dungeons and Dragons channels out there that most of you probably follow is that they're kind of winding down in their last one or two sessions before everybody gets a nice big break. And then they come back and they start the new year with all the new sessions for all their new seasons. And I'm sure the podcast community is the same way for all the D&D podcast stuff. And um, so there wasn't a lot of news. And um, the, I think one of the things that I definitely wanted to bring up um, as I my notes closed on me and now I'm reopening them. Do, 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 do. Yeah. <laughs> is it's funny too, that as I've been playing um, computer games or I'm reading books, you know, at night or we're watching TV or movies during dinner and that kind of thing that I'm still getting lots of ideas for, I would love to add something like that to the campaign, or I'd love to add that mechanic. An mm -hmm. example was uh, I was, I was running a quest in um, a game and they had this part where um, you went into this cave and there's this cult or whatever, and they're doing some ritual. That, so I was thinking about, okay, the players would, would get there. They would see this ritual going, and they get there as the ritual ends. And now there's like this portal sitting in wherever the, 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 the ritual was. And then those guys attack the players, right, and attack the people that come in the cave. But then... All that's done and now there's just this portal sitting there and i always i was wondering what would my players do given this conundrum of well what's going on here and then when you go through the portal in the actual adventure it's pretty cool what they've done is uh this cult has opened up a doorway to a very powerful creature and they were going to put it asleep so that its powers couldn't help the land around it and once that happened and all that stuff was going to start to die off and bad things were going to happen. So if you go through the portal, you find out there's this thing that is about to just be put to sleep and you have this ability to stop that whole thing. And I thought, Oh, it was really cool because the second thing that I liked about it is when you go in the portal, it shrinks down your vision radius to a very small and almost like ethereal kind of looking um, world that you're in. And when you look at your body, it changes to whatever, your dream body is so you look different than your character so i thought that'd be very interesting to see how the players would role play that out um this idea of okay you're in this new world now and what does your dream body look like what is the thing that you know um your character is and then now they move around and they can act in it so i thought adding real cool mechanics that came from a video game i thought would how would i add those into um, a Dungeons and Dragons game, or even just how could I add this this quest wholesale? This hey, you need to go do this to help this person to get this, and it all kind of winds around. And then oh hey, that guy was a werewolf the whole time. It's great, you know. It's <laughs> like you know, it's just something really cool about finding inspiration in other mediums was a big thought on my mind all week this week. And I just encourage dungeon masters to really reach out if you're playing a lot of games. Don't forget to keep reading books and watching movies and watching TV shows and playing other video games on your off time. And it helps feed that creativity that you will use and then put back into your game um, wholesale or even just pieces, or it might just make you think of something and go, Oh, you know what? I really want to put a Cthulhu-esque kind of deep one 
problem to my players to face. I want them to face insanity, the brink of insanity. I want them to face something so unfathomable that it's it's going to resonate through the rest of the campaign, even if it's just for a small brief thing, and then they get back to going, you know, doing whatever they're doing. So um, that was my big thing for this week was just kind of that idea of finding inspiration and refueling for the campaigns I want to run because there's so many I want to run now, um, game wise. I mean, there's just a million. I never have enough time to run all the ideas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Um, I just got the video game. Um, I want to say it's it's not Gris because that's not how you pronounce it. It's French for gray. I think it's not Gris. It's ugh, I can't remember how to pronounce it. But um, it's this new uh, puzzle platformer game where like the world has been colors have been sucked out of the world, and you have to like go and and collect all of the colors again. And just something simple like that would be a really interesting D&D quest. Like you walk into a town and this town is black and white and and everybody's very like melancholy and like, how do you solve this problem? Like what's the puzzle there? And maybe it is a puzzle rather than it's just a fight that they have to do. Like they have to go around and collect various shards of color and put them back in the right order and you can make interesting yeah. puzzles. And so even like something, yeah, Gree or yeah, is that it? Gree? Thank you, Mr. Bidwell. Um and Taylor D, thank you very much. Uh, it looks like an amazing game, very artistic, and even something like a puzzle platformer can inspire you in your Dungeons and Dragons game because, in the end, it's it's how do you want to tell a story, you know? And and I think uh, they always say every author reads, and uh, I think I even have a book that is called Steal Like an Artist. So <laughs> yeah. like, go out there and be inspired by all of this stuff and take it and make it your own, you know? So yeah. So other than that, the other thing that's been kind of consuming up my schedule is I'm getting ready for the 2019 year, and that has brought about several projects that I'm working with people and deciding when do we have time to do them, when do we want to do them, how is it going to work, where is it going to happen, all this kind of stuff. So there's a bunch of things that everybody, you know, that I've been kind of trying to get up and running for 2019 and that's also the other thing that's been taking up quite a bit of time but i hope to get back to gaming because i keep reading all these cool books so i just been reading strongholds and followers and now i want to run a campaign that's based totally on just that book and the things that I, that made me think about the way he was doing it and then the the fronts that i was talking about with adam colwell and i was reading um uh the fall of delta green which was a very modern 1960s but it has Cthulhu-esque and all kinds of like X-Files and kind of stuff. And I thought, oh, that'd be a really fun campaign to run. And then I've been watching a bunch of videos on Spectaculars because I did that Kickstarter and that's a superhero game. And I'm like, I, I still want to run a superhero game so bad. Like I love superheroes and, and comic book stories. And I want to gather a group of players that want to play through some really fun um, comic book kind of stories, X-Men style or Avenger style stories. Mm. Um, so there's a bunch out there and I keep getting new books and I keep doing more. Oh, I just did, uh, AI becoming, which was another Kickstarter that just got successfully done. That was by Anarisis. And so that one's about becoming AI, you know, in this really cool kind of cyberpunk feeling story. And I, I think that would be fun to run or more kids on the bike or more yeah. tales from the loop and yeah. that kind of stuff. So, um, there's just always so many things I want to run and just not enough time. <laughs> But that was about it for me this week. Uh, campaign didn't progress too much further. I do want to run games through the Christmas holiday. So I'm hoping I have players who yeah. don't do a lot with their families and are like, hey, I've got a free afternoon. Well, let's play all afternoon and let's just do some real Dungeons and Dragons. Okay, here we go. <laughs> yeah, contact this guy. His name yeah. is Jordan. Uh, it's kind of weird. There's a PH in the middle. But yeah. uh, McClancy Waddle, Volume 3. Yes, uh, <laughs> the stronghold where we <laughs> take over a build castle your and build my church. Yeah, what oh, would my... the church of your character look like? Or what that, would that even be? There would be spikes involved. Um, <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, possibly whips. Uh, it's getting really kind of uh, <laughs> in a dangerous area, but it would be really cool. Let's be honest. Yeah. Oh man, that's such a fun character. It would be fun to play that again. So, um, but no, like honestly, uh, my day job, I have like a whole week off 
And so I'm just like, I guess I'll just kick back and read some books, maybe do this. I'm trying to get some people to play some games. So maybe we should play something online. That Definitely. would be really fun. I would facilitate it. I would run it or play in it for sure. Sweet. Let's do it. Call it PB. <laughs> get her get her on the yeah. phone. Heck yeah. So what did Jordan do this week? I saw some notes in the show notes. So it was obvious Jordan ran some games and played some Got games. Two games in, yeah. Um, so first of all, well, we had my big, uh, we had the big fight against, uh, my big bad guy. Um, and so that was epic and really, really fun. Um, Mm -hmm. I changed some things around to make him a little more difficult. So, uh, players fell into this area. They had to kind of do a small little puzzle that was pretty simple, but there was a riddle of when, when did people die? Um, this riddle was like, uh, so-and-so died first and then so-and-so died after this guy. And they kind of had to go through and figure out which person died in which order. And then the last one is, and the last one to die was me. And they found eight coffins. And one of the coffins literally had the name M E on it, like me. And so they went around Mm -hmm. and they, they, they lit these little brazers to, uh, illuminate like which ones died in which order. And they lit the last one, which was me, which spawned this King Necros to sit on his throne. And they asked him a bunch of questions. Um, the role play was kind of, and I, I blame myself, but uh, my players didn't really know what questions to ask because they have only, only experienced him through paintings and murals within this temple. So they haven't really had like a reason to be like, well, what's, what's your goal? What's your motivation and things like that. And so mm-hmm. we kind of had a, a conversation there. Ultimately his goal is to enslave the people of Faerun. So they were like, well, we have to put a stop to that. So they had the battle. Um, in order to make my guy a little bit stronger, we, uh, I, 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 added some things that he had uh, animate objects and true polymorph as spells. So he animated a giant snake statue that walked around and started hitting people. And then he could teleport throughout the dungeon uh, like 30 or 40 feet. So just enough to get out of range of people's uh, full movement. And so he could kind of be on the side and like throw spells and things like that, which was really made the fight a, a more difficult because he would teleport around and they would be like, well, I guess I can't reach him. So um, I will instead like attack this giant stone snake because they didn't, they were like, what do we do? Like I can either do some damage or I can run to him and he'll teleport again. We're not sure what to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, they took down the snake and then I ended up true polymorphing um, a stone slab into a demon. (laughs) And the demon was then attacking all of them and doing a whole bunch of extra damage and things like that. So ultimately they destroyed our evil King Necros. He, instead of dying like normal, he started turning into sand. And I had um, our cleric make an arcana check and she recognized that this was the simulacrum spell. And that he was actually like a simulacrum of the actual King Necros where they're not sure where he is. Uh, And the entire (laughs) pyramid started floating into the sky. So it rose up. They fell out the bottom of the pyramid and watched this thing just like fly to the sky. Um, They ended up doing some scrying magic with the the NPC quest giver um, that had like a crystal ball. And the real King Necros is fine alive on the inside of this floating pyramid that is now heading towards the city of Wasat to probably destroy it. They're not really sure what his intentions are. He wants to enslave um, all of Faerun, so they're not sure if he's going to go in guns a-blazing or if he's got some other way of doing it. But there are undead archers all over this pyramid, um, and so it's pretty well defended. And that is kind of where we left off. And what I wanted to talk about today as I, like, you know, mm-hmm. regurgitate the entire adventure that happened <laughs> is I've got writer's block. I'm like, Uh-oh. not really sure where to take this because originally, let me back up. There is a portal on the inside of the temple and they walked into this room that has this orrery device that could like basically uh, put some lenses down and it would shine into the portal and open the portal to a specific plane of existence. And that's kind of what King Necros has been doing is pulling in slaves and, and monsters and things for his dungeon from all of these different planes of existence. Now, 
I was fully expecting my players to activate that and to maybe like go through portals or, or explore it, but they decided to not touch it at all. So I had this idea of like, well, I'm going to send them to the Shadowfell or I'm going to send them to, they're basically going to go plane hopping. Um, they're not interested in that. Uh, and so their goal is to still get home. Even though I, I gave them a way out, I said, King Necros is like, I can send you home through this like portal thing and they were like but we don't want anything to do with that kind of a thing so i don't know i'm like i'm not i'm not sure what the next logical step should be and i'm hoping that my players will they want to go stop the pyramid from attacking the city uh but after that well i'm not sure and so it's kind of like they're gonna go dive back into this pyramid that they have mapped out so they know where to go they'll probably have a couple of encounters do they reach the real King Necros? Does he flee through a portal? Do they chase him? Do I mean, what do I what do I do? Yeah, and <laughs> I thought uh, Skull Dixon was pretty funny because he was talking there too. He's like, you know, he's so powerful that uh, they got to use time travel to go back and kill him, which is the common thing for. Oh, the that would be fun if they could. That's figure pretty out funny because there's travel. always two ways to fix all problems, right? A nuclear yeah. bomb or <laughs> time travel. Those are the only things that ever fix anything, and we all know that from every single movie and every single plot line that we've ever seen. But I was thinking it was funny because you've set this up in a way that I remember when you, when we started talking about it, <clears throat> there was that old idea that you were going to bring him into Spelljammer, I yeah, thought. Yeah, yeah. That kind of so went to the, the wayside a little bit because I was focusing rising, more. Yeah. <laughs> I thought, oh, they're going to have to find a Spelljamming ship and they're going to have to chase the pyramid down through wherever it's going in space. But you have it going to attack another town, which I think is pretty cool. Um, yeah, it comes down to what do they want to do, right? Because yeah. sometimes players are funny about they're trying to figure out what you want them to do. And I, and you have I blatantly hard... have one player who does that. She just straight yeah. up asks me, like, what are we supposed to do here, Jordan? And I'm yeah. like, what do you I want really want to, to know what you want to do as opposed <laughs> to what you think I want you to do. Yeah. yeah, I've had that trouble with a few of my players because they're just like, they feel like they're fumbling around. They're like, yeah. And I'll talk to them after the session. And they're just like, yeah, we can't figure out what you want us to do. And I'm like, I don't want you to do anything. I just want you guys to do what you think your characters will do. The world's just reacting. There is no, there's nothing I want you to do. I don't know how to get that across to them that there's nothing I want you to do. Like, I don't have this. Oh, I hope you guys pull that lever. I can't wait till you pull that lever. I need you to pull that. Le it's like none of that. I'm just sitting there like, you guys do whatever you want. Yeah. I'm just reacting to the stuff you do, but they're so focused on, no, you must have a storyline. There must be, we must've missed a clue because we can't figure out where you want us to go next. You know, I'm just like, mm -hmm. stop doing that. <laughs> Skull Dixon had a really good point. He said, I should have each of them write down three things they want their characters to do um, yeah. or to basically get from the campaign. Like, what do you want to accomplish? Um, and then I can pick randomly from those and try to craft a story around that. And that's a really yeah. great idea. So thank you. I almost feel like too, that you got to get these players home. I think that's yeah. the, the wrap up. Cause if you don't get them home, I don't feel like they're going to have the closure that they want to the campaign. Because if you do get them home, you, then you might get the idea of when you mentioned to them, Hey, do you guys want to make new characters? Do you want to try to go? Yeah. Another route? Do you want to go to a module? Right now, they're going to be wishy-washy because they feel like they never got that thing that they were trying so hard to get in the in the, the closure, right? Yeah. Because everything, every campaign doesn't need an ending. It needs a closure. And that, that was another thing Adam was talking about this week. He was talking about how to close a campaign down. And it's not about wrapping everything up. It's about if your players felt like there was a nice closure moment to what they were trying to do then it's a good time to to bring that around. So I've, I even had, like, I've even had some yeah. ideas of, well, if they do get home, which I need to like find a way to get them home. But if I do get them home, then uh, maybe they've been gone for so long that their small little town made a pact with a devil and for protection. Yeah. And so now it's just like, you did what? And it's like, you, yeah. you guys sold your souls for like protection. So now we have to go to the nine hells to like fight off all <laughs> these demons to try and get your, or devils to yeah. try and get your soul back. Like I've had all kinds of other ideas except for the immediate, which yeah. is, is like, because I want them to make some kind of interesting choice, but you're, you're right. I think, I think the next logical step is to try and be like, I need to present maybe two or three options for how they can get home and then follow that up. 
And that that is yeah. the rest of get the adventure home. is how it's time for them to come home. home. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's what it feels like. And and let them get there and they'll play for it as long as they want. And I bet when they do finish that, they might be ready for something newer or different. And that might be a good time for you to refresh kind of what you want to do, whether you keep going, like you said, you, you expand that storyline or you finally come up with something else that they want to do. And it sets up the really cool thing that I think everybody really enjoys doing after the after a really big campaign is you give them the chance to do the epilogue themselves. You give them the chance to say you're home, you've made it, you've had this great adventure, you guys are now level 13, we're, we're wrapping things up a little bit, here's our great, wonderful closure. Now, each player go through and tell us, what is, what is this like for your character? What does this look like five years from now for your character? as you give the final, what's the retirement look like? Or what is your world? Or, or are you still out adventuring? Have you sat, have you built a, uh, an inn and now you own an inn and that's what you do. Yeah. You know, all these things, give them a chance to, to close out their character story arc. If you feel like they're not ready to, to just continue on, they don't want to go to 20, right? right? They're ready to say, okay, I know how this game plays now. We played a lot. I've read more stuff now, and now I'm more interested in some other classes or other races or other stuff that's come out. So there's going to be players that are like that, but there's also the players that are like, no, 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 I want to play till 20. Like, I want to get my character yeah. to 20. And you just got to figure out what's the majority for that group and then. But I think getting them home is the big thing because you can pivot from that closure point in many different ways from there, I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I need to have, I need to seriously have a, a day where I get rid of my phone and a lot of my distractions and sit down with a cup of coffee and and hammer out like here are the possibilities. But I think I really like that idea of of having the players be like, what do you want? What does your character want? And then I can I think that'll spark my imagination to try and and get them home and around. And normally normally that's like their backgrounds right like they have their mm -hmm. bonds ideals and flaws and you kind of like you take that like i think my ranger has a son he doesn't know about that's one of his flaws and i think uh the the monk has kind of already fulfilled his goal which was to protect this uh well his it's to protect a relic of his faith which he has found we call it the eye of Savras, and uh, but now he's protecting it. He's trying to get it back home, uh, but which has been a really fun little piece of, of hilarity. I've mentioned it before, but it's basically a wand of wonder. And so every time he uses the eye of Savras, we always say, what is the will of Savras? And it could be a fireball or it could be grass grows. It could be butterflies <laughs> or it could be petrification. Like it's, it's really fun and we have a lot of fun. And so well, uh, what is your wife said? Like what is she, what does her character want to do? No, she's the one that's come to me and said, oh, okay. like, hey, uh, what do you want us to do? Like, <laughs> right. so that was where I was the, like, no, <laughs> like, like I want to know what you guys want to do. But she's kind of like, I, she doesn't know, and that's the problem is they're lost in this land, and she's like, I don't really know what to do other than we should play the game Jordan prepared, um, right. which I totally can sympathize with. Yeah, but. I would like them to, I would like them to do more of the work than me, if that makes sense, you know, because right now mm -hmm. I'm like, I don't know. So I kind of have writer's block. I would like to be inspired by my players. Like, what do you want to do? So I think right now they're going to fly. Uh, they got a magic carpet, by the way. So they're going to fly, nice. zip up towards the pyramid and try to take it out. Um, that won't come we'll back see. to bite you at all because we all know yeah. how old, yeah, old there was magic a... carpets are. <laughs> Wasn't it Critical Role where he really regretted yes. giving them a magic carpet? He hated yeah. it later yeah. on, yeah. Because so, every plan they had involved the carpet. Like, and I was thinking, I'm like, on. well, I can destroy it. <laughs> but I know that the cleric has mending, so she'll probably just try to fix it all the time. But we'll see. Yeah. Maybe maybe I'll make it so that, I don't know. But Yeah, I, he did destroy theirs. I rolled and randomly, they... and I was like, that's what I randomly rolled. It narratively makes sense. It's going to help them get back to the thing or to the pyramid. So I gave it to them, but yeah, I was thinking that exact same thing. I was like, this is going to haunt me for the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause they destroyed it in critical role and they spent a bunch of time trying to get a new one. They were so fixated on yeah. it that it was like, we're not giving this up. You destroy it and we'll go get another one. Yeah. We'll find a way. That's funny. <laughs> mending so, camp magic, careful. uh, mending can't fix magical items. That makes sense. So that would be good. So maybe I can destroy it. We'll see. Um, I'm looking forward to an aerial battle on the carpet. I think that would be really fun. So 
Yeah, well, I had uh, when I when I started my Storm King Slender campaign, we had a character who said, "Oh, I can be an Aarakocra, and I'm going to be able to fly everywhere." And I thought, "Yeah, that's really cool." She thought that right up until she fell, <laughs> even though she was flying, and hit the ground from 40 feet up, and then realized. I don't want to fly at all. That's not a good idea. And yeah. you're like, no, it's not a good idea to be a nice big target in up the, in the yeah. sky for everybody to look at. And then when something goes wrong, you fall. Yeah, <laughs> It's bad. How did they fall? Is it because they got hit or did they? Yeah, they got hit. And you just yeah. made them fall because of the damage they took or? Yeah, they, well, they got knocked to zero. Oh, they got knocked to zero. And then they, okay. Yeah, yeah it took another yeah. like 30 some damage. Well, they, yeah, and they were low, low. And so it was like, how high do you want to go? And they're like, well, I want to be high enough that they can't shoot me type thing. Would that put you up way more damage? So then you're like, well, maybe I'll just be 10 feet up. So if I do fall, it's only a 10 foot drop. So it's like this whole dynamic yeah. of trying to figure out what's going on. Because you think flight is awesome. And it is until somehow, some way it stops and you weren't prepared for that. <laughs> so you better have that feather fall ready just in case. <laughs> but um, so that's cool. Yeah. So um, your Hot Springs Island. And then Hot Springs game is really fun. Man, I love, I just love this module and I'm having so much fun with it. And I get so excited when we play Hot Springs Island. Uh, my players are have been looking for this ancient elven ruins because they're looking for money. Mm -hmm. And they um, came to, it's called Hot Springs City. And it's basically, it literally is hot springs. Like it's, it's uh, there's boiling water coming off of the volcano that's being filtered down into baths. And you can, you can take baths and things like that. Um, lots of improvisation. Like they, I said, hey, there's a bunch mm -hmm. of like, oh, what? Oh, I was just, I, that made me think of something, but keep going. Keep okay. going. <laughs> so there's lots of, uh, baths and stuff and one of the one of the things that i like about hot springs island is that it keeps me on my toes and they were like well we want to take a bath so they spent a short rest to take a bath and i was just like i'll give you five temporary hit points which ended up saving their lives later as they tried to fight a giant bath monster uh plant monster in the baths on the lower levels but uh my players came across uh again hot springs island just is funny but they came across um uh big spine dragon looking creature that was sleeping and they were like oh it's sleeping and then they immediately thought this must be worth a lot of experience points we should kill it and so they they strategically got around it they got a surprise round they they launched a whole bunch of like damage to it barely woke it up the thing looked at it and just kind of like shrugged it off and went back to sleep and they're like what is this thing so then they looked it up in the beast the the bestiary that they have and it says like no known way to damage this creature uh, and so that was like, and they were like, did they really put in hot springs Island, a creature that can't be hurt? And I'm like, that's exactly what they did. Like, yeah, why not? Like, I mean, it's, it's, I don't know what else to tell you. And so they were like, well, geez, how do we get the experience for it? And I'm like, you don't like it's, yeah. it, and they're like, so basically it's Snorlax. I'm like, yep. 100% it's Snorlax. Yeah. Maybe if you find the magic polka flute to wake it up, but for right now, it's just going to sleep and eat and, and hang out here, but you can't damage it, which is kind of interesting yeah you were talking about that and that made me think about it. i just got an email um and i'll read it to you it was from drive through rpg and it said evan donnie and gabriel you might recognize those names and i are working towards the next swordfish islands book yeah okay but we're deep in the weeds and don't have much to share on that front first the hot springs island books is mostly complete and sold out then there's the dark of hot springs island is that like an expansion no so the dark of hot springs island is hot springs island that's what okay. it's called. So the Hot Springs Island books, there's two books. Um, there's the Sword Coast, not Sword Coast Adventures Guide. The, oh, geez, what is it called? It's right over there. Uh, I can't read from this far away. But um, there's a player's book that the players get. And then the DM's book is called The Dark of Hot Springs Island. All right. Okay, cool. So and they're saying the guy who did the map for the ruins of Hot Springs City, since you just mentioned yep. that um digital copies will be updated for this content and are free surfish islands will be at pack south in case anybody's going to san antonio texas nice um but then patrick stewart veins mm -hmm. of the earth maze of the blue medusa books we've talked about a I little bit i just bought maze of the blue medusa for yeah. a christmas present to myself so yeah so the the singing golem generator elven rumors and hot springs city table he he helped with the dark of the hot yeah. springs he's created a new rpg called silent titans 
Huh. And so I thought that was a really interesting sounding uh, RPG that I thought I would bring up. Because once you mentioned that, I was like, I just got an email from these guys about some cool RPG. Yeah. And as I was reading it, I really liked it. So you might look it up. You might look up this one called, uh, I just had it, Silent Titans, the RPG. I okay. think it's either kickstarting or I think it's a Kickstarter. Yeah, it is a Kickstarter at the moment. So check that one out. If you like, you know, from the same guys that are doing, you know, Hot Springs Island, Dark yeah. of the Hot Springs and that kind of stuff. No, I think, I think their goal is to expand upon it because Hot Springs Island is part of the sword Swordfish Islands. Yeah, they said they're working on yeah. the next island. And so there's yeah. going to be other islands that you can hop to and, and it's going to be kind of similar. But And I did just look it up. The book is called A Field Guide to Hot Springs Island and then The uh, Dark of Hot Springs Island. Yeah. Um, be, and it's called that because every area you explore, there's like, there is the uh, the surface level, like here's what you see. And then they always say, and here's the dark. And the dark mm -hmm. is like the secret stuff or or the experiences that the players run into or, or things like that. So there's always like a, a secret section that if they want to explore this area a little further, then they find the dark of of that area of Hot Springs Island. So um it's it's really well done i mean i know i just sing its praises all the time but i'm having so much fun and i love that mm -hmm. i can just do that so if you are interested in that i think they are sold almost sold out of their last batch of hot springs island not to say they won't make any more and the pdf is always going to be available so you can grab the pdf <laughs> but the physical book is just so nice so um i actually went and was looking at maze of the blue medusa and then looking at it, I'm like, I think I need this in a physical book. So then I went to turn around and bought it as a physical book because just the layout of it, um, I think is going to be really nice. And who knows, maybe that'll be, that'll uh, my, after I quote finish Hot Springs Island, I don't know if I ever will because it can potentially just go forever. Um, maybe they'll, they'll get transplanted to another plane of existence and have to explore the Maze of the Blue Medusa. Well, that or or my vote is Ravnica for sure. Ravnica oh, yeah, yeah. Cool. <laughs> That's a good <laughs> book. But there are a lot of those cool OSR books. And since it was kind of an OSR or a, a neutral setting book, it might be cool that the next thing you bring in is another neutral setting thing, mm -hmm. you know, to just keep it in the vein because there's a lot of really cool um, stuff in that. And it's obvious that those players like the hex crawl version, the, the way the game plays out. Yeah. So they're having fun with it and you know, why not keep keep it going for sure. And I, I just so many good games and I can't wait to, you know, get more going, get get players in. Um, there's just so many stories that I, where I'm still ready to tell or be a part of in some way or have a character in. Or I was just even creating a couple of characters the other day again, just because you sit down sometimes and you just have some free time. You're like, what, what how can I create a character that was all water-based and had a lot of water-based kind of things would be a really good aquatic adventuring kind of character, you know? So I was just sitting down and, and trying to think of a Triton, you know, or, or some type of human um, almost like a, a, a Marine, but it not in the, in the version of like somebody who worked on a ship constantly or who was a guard yeah. who would, who would get onto ships. And then you could do pirate ship battles and ship battles and how fun that would be. <laughs> and that was just, you know, and like I, I was, I mean, reading hot springs Island again, uh, makes me, I really want to run it as a dungeon crawl classics game. Mm -hmm. And I want to, I want to redo that entire campaign, not redo, like I'm having fun with it, but like, I want to, uh, run it again as a dungeon crawl classics game. Cause I just think that would be really interesting. It's super fun. Um, well, we're coming up on our hour guys. So I think we're going to, uh, end like two minutes early, but that's okay. Uh, anything else we need to talk about before we leave Mr. Lucian? I think that was all the stuff. Any um, announcements that are happening? Are you running any games that you need to talk about streaming? No. And keep an eye out on the Discord channel if you're looking for stuff that I'm going to be running or on my Twitter. If I go to look for players, um, I will definitely shout it out there where people can say, oh, I'm free and I can do that kind of stuff. Um, I'm looking to get in a few games uh, here pretty soon. I'm hoping to play in one of the Grant games. Um, our Tomb of Annihilation is starting back up at the beginning of the year where we jump back in and we start playing our characters um, and we see what happens with Bracky. And uh, I want to do a bunch of one shots. And like you said, we're going to have a bunch of time, have a bunch of days off for this holiday season. So I want to get together and do some really long session role play, maybe um, hopefully in the next week or so and see, 
see what kind of good shenanigans we can get in and what yeah. kind of systems we can play. So keep an eye out for that kind of stuff. It may be on the channel. It may just be us playing around and goofing around. Who knows? No, we need to do uh, especially more on the um, Saturday morning D and D YouTube channel. I want to get some more content on there. So we should definitely yeah. like stream some games. That would be really fun. Well, uh, oh, that was one thing I was going to say. Um, if you guys could put in the comments or send to us either through our Twitter handle or me or Jordan's Twitter handle, any suggestions or ideas on other things that we could put on the Saturday Morning D&D Show channel that you would be interested in, we would definitely like to see a nice big long list of stuff that we might be able to pick out one or two from and say, oh, you know what? We probably could put something like that if if the the audience feels like that's the kind of stuff they'd like to see or yeah i know uh we put the kids on bikes halloween episode on there and that was pretty well received people seem to enjoy that so um yeah so it's awesome anyway uh thank you guys thank you youtube for watching us thank you uh twitch for watching us and thank you podcast listeners uh so excited to have you um please give us uh, if you if you feel so inclined, give us a rating on iTunes. That would be really nice because it helps the podcast kind of uh, the more ratings we have, the more people can can discover it. And we would like the show to get out there a little bit more. So if you feel so inclined, please give us a, a five star review on iTunes. That would be awesome. All right, guys. Thanks for joining. Thanks for sticking with us. We'll see you in the next one. Bye, everybody. Take Bye. care. Our intro and outro music is 8-Bit March by Twin Musicom, licensed under Creative Commons. Check out their website at www.twinmusicom.org.